Ciao ragazzi e benvenuti, welcome in a new episode of Fratelli di Rugby Podcast. It's the day after, it's Sunday. We are last week of August there, and uh, today I'm, I'm hosting, we can say, because we don't have Marcello. Hi Marcello, but I'm happy to see also Mike with me here. So Mike, come stai? How are you? Ciao. Bene, bene. Ciao Otto, how are you happy doing? To, uh, happy to see you. Well, we, we spent a couple of hours yesterday together reacting, uh, watch-alonging the Italy-Romanians yeah. game. But today we are not only me and yeah. you here, because I'm, uh, I'm happy to introduce again after the first meeting we had online with Leonardo, Leo Mattoccia. Leo, how are you? Ciao ragazzi, tutto bene. How are you boys? Nice. So we're gonna go. We're gonna dig in to understand more who's Leo because we know who's Leo. And now we're gonna literally start asking questions to you, Leo, because uh, it's a great opportunity to have you on. It's the second time we we know a little bit of each other. We we spend a lot of time spoken about rugby in general. Uh, you coach. Uh, you 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 are you are the boss. You are the one in the field at the moment. You are there. With the guys like feeling the pulse, no? Sentendo il polso of the situation sometimes. But Leo, you are not in Italy, of course. Where are you now? Where are you moving? Where are you going? Um, so right now um, I'm with Exeter Chiefs. Um, I've got three days, three days left in my contract. So I'll be moving on on Wednesday. I'm the forwards and defense coach for the uh, for the uh, Truro College boys in Ace. And then for the under 15, 16, 17s, and 18s um, academies down here. Um, and then from the 1st of September, I'll be the junior academy manager for Leicester Tigers, which is going to be pretty exciting, pretty challenging. Exciting times. Great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. So um, congratulations, congratulations, Leo, because it's well deserved, we can say. We know our, your, uh, your ethic of work, uh, the way you. You, you eat rugby every day, we can say, no, the way you think. Uh, and it's great. It's great to have an Italian abroad, not only players abroad, but also coaching abroad. It, it's great. It's amazing. So no, I'm really, really happy for you. And uh, so from Exeter to Leicester Tigers, uh, another yeah. change in your, uh, in your journey, because uh, your journey is not something that started yesterday. It's, it's been uh, quite a long time, we can say. Yeah, tell so, us more. Um, so yeah, I came came in the UK in 2012. So I just turned 16. Um, played a little bit here and there, then um, went to uni, Loughborough University. Um, incredible place. I, I'll always be biased to them. You know, I, I loved um, playing for them and studying there. And that's where I started coaching, obviously with them, and then with uh, Mauro Bergamasco in the summer at his camps. Um, Yeah, and then just slowly went went through a couple of clubs, went through the uh, Tigers DPP system back in the days as a young coach, uh, moved to uh, moved to Oakham with them, and then obviously Exeter Chiefs down here to then go back to um, to Tigers. It's uh, yeah, started officially started coaching in 2018, I want to say so five years ago. So it's it's been good, but yeah, as you said to to. To adapt to just rugby is so so fast changing. It's just every game you see something new, something different. You have to live it. You have to go 24-7. This is what I want to do. This is, this is what I'm here for. And you just really need to be on top of it. Otherwise, you're going to get left behind. 
Yeah, obviously you come from um, a rugby family, I think it's fair to say. Um, obviously it's something that you have been exposed to from a young age. And I think actually that's probably what makes you a bit of an outlier with regards to maybe some of the, the you know, the other Italian um, coaches that are, you know, maybe abroad, maybe some of the Itali Italian players who may have been exposed to it at a later stage. But, you know, you, you as, as Otto said, you live, breathe, eat rugby. And it seems like it's something that um, was, was embedded from, from a young age. Yeah, look, I was never forced. I believe my first game, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say my first ball was football because all my, all my mates used to play football in Italy. And I told Dad, and I said, oh, can I go play football? And he said, yeah, that's fine, you can go. He knew I would have only lasted a couple of months, and I did last a couple of months. He came to watch me once, and on the way back, he was like, you do realise that's not your sport. He was like, yeah, no, I want to hit people. So we went and played a little bit of basketball, a little bit of rugby. I used to swim a lot as a kid. Um, which helped um, in terms of um, discipline, in terms of going up and down that those lengths. And then when I turned around, probably 12, 13, I was training every day and he went, look, you probably need to decide what you want to do now. Uh, so I said, oh, cool, let's give rugby a crack. That, that's one thing that's really understated as well. And I think Sergio said it, Sergio Paris said it uh, a little while ago, where he said the reason he became such a well-rounded player was because his dad, basically didn't force him to do anything and he wanted to play everything. I think it was quite a quite a prolific basketball player and I think I've already spoken in the past, but for, for those of you who haven't heard and maybe for Leo's benefit as well, I, I think there's a, a massive transition, um, positive transition between sort of basketball players and rugby because of the spatial awareness and um, peripheral vision and all that jazz. So that that that's interesting how you have followed a similar path and obviously you you particularly swimming which yes obviously there's like muscular maturity it's a low impact sport but there's you know like you said the discipline um to to sort of maintain that at a high standard you you put that work ethic taught from from swimming to sort of where it led you in rugby which is a really interesting concept as well yeah, I, I think for um, for skills development and acquisition, basketball for boys and netball for girls. If you know, if it's an English school, all the girls will play netball. And a lot of transfers, especially when England first started um, investing in, in women's rugby, was from netball. Like, are you a half decent netball player, but maybe you stop growing at the age of sixteen? You still have a shot at rugby, getting to good standards. And as you said, that, that 360, that awareness, that catch pass ability, move your feet, all that sort of stuff, evasion, sort of evasion, invasion games are very, very good. And basketball and netball are low impact, low impact because basketball is a tough sport, but they still get you those skills in there. I'm going to go back a little bit because I think it's important also to, uh, we said about family, how it's important. So I can see you because now we are on um, on StreamYard at the moment. I can see a really nice jersey that you have on. So I really know the that place, beautiful place. Because Leo, your dad is it's the boss of the probably the best museum of rugby that we have in the northern hemisphere. I can try, I can say that without any payment because I think it's great what what we have in Italy actually. It's amazing. It's Museo del Rugby, Fango e Sudore, Mud and Sweat. So 
it's great. It's a great place. Uh, it was a pleasure to me to go and uh, and uh, visit the museum when I was still in Ecuador, but I was in in Rome at the time. So I said, no, I have to go. I have to go there. It's just outside Rome. So tell us a little bit about that because uh, Don, Mr. Corrado, it's it's the guy who who runs everything with help of everybody around. But um, yeah, give us some some insight for our English. Maybe next time they're gonna be at the Six Nation in Rome to watch uh, a game. So please come to Artena. Stay yeah. a, a day more. Tell us. So maybe uh, maybe if our English uh, English followers come to England, Italy. They'll be able to assist to a, a live Fratelli the Rugby um, episode in the museum. We'll make that work for you, boys. Um, no, the museum. The museum is um, obviously. It's, we spoke about it last time, and for us, every every bit of free advertisement we can get, we get it. That's why I'm shamelessly going for for the polo. Um, no, it's it's a big old joke that snowballed into something incredible. Um, it started in in my granddad's garage, that became my dad's studio, and then we just kept on saying, "Oh, let's meet at the museum rather than let's meet at the studio." Um, we now have more than two thousand five hundred played jerseys. We just got um, a jersey from Italy, Romania, um, from the prop because he played with my cousin. So you know, it's it. It's incredible what we did. <laughs> it's incredible that they're all volunteers and everything is donated. Um, we bought a couple of bits. So, for example, we bought at an auction um, a L'Aquila jersey just after the earthquake to be able to give some money back to that community. Um, we bought a um, one of the first England jerseys that was ever out there because it's something that you know it would have gone into a private collection and we what we do is we tell the story of the jerseys but they're not just there to look at we want the people to know that you know um francois pinard is is the guy is the guy that hugged um, mandela and he only played one game at um a back row eight straight after the World Cup, and we've got that jersey we want to be able to tell those stories um, so yeah, so for us, it's it's really really special. If you do get you know um, a spare day before your before your match day, um, probably takes about half an hour on a train from from Rome. Um, but yeah, if you let us know, we'll even come and pick you up at uh, the train station. <laughs> See that that is the beauty of rugby, right? Because rugby is a sport which um, often requires a lot of context, right? Even off the pitch. On the pitch, obviously, it requires a lot of context, but off the pitch as well, context is so important. And, you know, each each shirt has its own um, heritage, its own history, and it tells a story. And the fact that you guys are providing, you know, these jerseys on show and, and, and providing a bit of context and, and the story, that's, for me, like, quite interesting. And I think, you know, there's definitely more that needs to be done in rugby in general, right? Because... Rugby, rugby is a sport founded on, you know, myths. So obviously, we will put a link in the description for for uh, the museum. If you're going to uh, Rome, definitely, definitely go check it out. We'll get that all uh, sent out to you guys um, in in obviously the descriptions. And you know, if there's any more information, I'm sure we can point you in the right direction. Um, so definitely reach out on that. Um, but there is a really interesting point. Obviously, you've you've had a really um, cool transition over the past few years in terms of what you're doing for work but there's one thing which i think is quite relevant at the moment particularly because of um a result that came out a couple weeks ago a few weeks ago with regards to the under 18s which i believe you you've been um party to haven't you Bill? 
Um, so I've there's um, there's one of my boys out there, one of the Exeter boys is out there, um, Nick Lilly, the outside centre. You've seen him because he created a um, a ninety meter try against um, against Western Province. You know, came off. I think it was either a turnover or a set piece. Nine wasted out. It just went straight through two boys. Quick offload, quick support lines try. Um, you know, it's a vintage year. So even even our academies, so we had we had seven boys selected last year with England under 17, which is has never happened at Exeter Chiefs. Um, and we refer to these boys as a vintage year, like a fine wine. I think, and I'd love to see, you know, if, if some big brains out there has done any research on these age group. I think it's the results of COVID in terms of these boys are the ones that went back into rugby after COVID, where they were just developing physically and obviously developing as young adults. And all they could do was loads of skills because there was no game, so no oh, pressure there was no, you know, no leagues, no, not, not, not even a lot of contact and scrums and lineups, that sort of stuff. So they became really well-rounded players, and I think they also had the chance to explore in terms of running and rowing and all those sorts of bits that that make your engine tick a little bit, a little bit better. And look, I, generally, if someone out there is a big brain and and has got any research on it, just feel free to send it over because I'm really, really interested because it seems that England as a whole just got a really, really good year. Like even when we played, um, so we just played uh, the Marvin RFU Festival last week or a couple of weeks ago. And every every game has been highly competitive. Like every game has finished. I know it's only half an hour games, but it's finished like two tries to one, three tries to two. So very, very tight game, high competition standard. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. There's one, there's one point actually that you raised, which I think is really important. And... You know, during COVID, because there was these, well, there was a period of no contact as well. So like you said, maybe um, if you're looking at it from, you know, a physiological standpoint, if someone is playing rugby games, typically there's a lot of like small muscular tears and a lot of the protein synthesis is going to be focused on um, repair, right? Whereas, like you said, if someone's developing their skills and you know there's all of that excess sort of protein synthesis it'd be interesting to see sort of like these behemoths i'm thinking of like the two laggy boy um as an example who's he's going on six foot eight and like 145 kegs um there's, there's there's obviously the body adapts right so it's a really interesting concept what you you've raised there um and on the flip side as well right is it because you have the yardstick from your time is it comparatively better from previous like pre-COVID years? Or is it the fact that England the English players adapted better to the COVID lockdown? And that's sort of the the, the balance, isn't it? Uh, uh, honestly. If you want to start analyzing your games today, the video analysis software that helps coach analysts and player is waiting for you on longomatch.com. Uh, uh, honestly. Don't really know, because so for example, down here Exeter Chiefs, you always had vintage years. So before I came, before I came down here, they had the year where you know Jack Knowles' little brother was here, where you know Ben Grubb was here, and this is all boys that are now breaking. Well, like Chris uh, Chinzer was here, uh, where all these boys were breaking into that sort of senior academy environment, and that was the first year of COVID. So they only played um, at the back end of the first lockdown in summer. 
Um, they play like four games against other academies, like a little mini tournament, like mini pool. And they were good. They were really, really good. And I think like the club gave out 10 contracts. Um, then the year after wasn't that good because they went through two lockdowns. Honestly, I, I have no idea because a lot of these kids, when they go home, they do, they got a little garden, which is quite normal in, in England, especially down here in Cornwall, maybe a little bit less um less in, in London or the big cities. But they go home and they rep their skills. You know, they stay out at training and they rep their skills. And all they're doing is just getting that 360 development into their um, into their into their rugby. <laughs> Again, like we said last time, there isn't a magic formula. Sometimes you just get lucky and you get 30 incredibly good boys. <laughs> Sometimes you just for whatever reason you, you don't get that that luxury. You only get a handful. I think about, for example, Kana Moody is one of the young players, but uh, there is a video going around uh, Twitter, for example, of his former coach, Catleo Lynch, that uh, it's, uh, Coach Lynch is coaching, uh, actually, South Africa under 18, uh, with, with a young Kana Moody during, co during lockdown, just doing reps, trying to learn, sending the video to the coach and showing what I'm doing. So also probably a lot of these guys that we have in this generation are upset with rugby because it was the only thing they were able to do and uh, the survivors not that the other ones are dead but the survivors the one that they keep the flame alive uh, probably they have this special gift uh, that they work hard already they know what's the meaning to work hard rip uh, reps and reps and reps about skills that i think it's a great area yeah, I think, you know, all the Instagram and TikToks uh, coaches out there, that's massive for them. Because as a kid, if I'm scrolling and I see just these boys repping out reps, reps, reps. So one to me is um, is Warren Abram. He's got an incredible Instagram. Uh, oh. And, it, you know, it's people, like, people like Carl Sinclair used to drop into his session with 15, 16-year-old boys doing their skills. To me, that's incredible because as a, as a young kid, I'd go, well, if he's doing it, I should be doing it as well. We should, we should, because thinking about now going, just turning page, but staying on the skills, we we won yesterday, but we commit a lot of handling mistakes. We were looking at the numbers during the, the last games too. We had a lot of line breaks though with the Wales game, then uh, not so many. And now we had a lot of lines, break, break of the lines, line breaks, but still... I have a couple of images in my hand where we are like three versus zero, three versus one, and we didn't play well with our skill, our passing skill. They were, they were a little bit poor uh, without pressure, which which sucks sometimes when you see those kind of uh, of mistakes. But how you see now the our Italy versus Romania, our Italy starting to to build up. We are almost at the end, but how you see the game? So. We, we briefly spoke about it earlier. I agree with Kieran's and, and Michele Lamoureux's comments at the end of it. Um, you know, they won, they got the job done. Incredible, amazing. We love to see it. But points, they, a lot of points. But they need to be more clinical. They could have scored, I reckon, another 20 points. You know, one of my comments down here, I made some notes, is um, Italy plays a high-risk, high-reward game, which is amazing to watch. But for that to pay off, they need to be clinical about it. Their decision-making in terms of first wave or second wave of attack, so in terms of are they tight, are they narrow, is the gap opening up, which player can I pick, 
is getting it's getting miles better. Like I think they executed it really, really well, um, decision making wise against um against Romania. But they're just that that one percent that gets you the next try is what really needs to really needs to get there. I've got no doubt that the boys will do it. And you know, I think it's part of the game. It, it's a young team, it's a very, very young team. It's a team that is is starting to understand and continuing to understand the way Kieran and his staff wants to play. Um, but I think in the World Cup they, they could be the dark horse of the um of the of the tournament. Obviously I'm not saying they're gonna win against New Zealand or France. You know, we'd love to, we'd love to just win every single game. But I reckon a very, very good performance against an average France, maybe we take it away, I don't know. I, I think Otto and I just because of, you know, you watch some of the other games and you can see that, you can see what the teams are trying to do. So, like, we'll probably touch upon England a little bit at the end, but you could see what England were trying to do. They were trying new things. We were quite content, particularly at set-piece, to play more, not show much, not show hands, not show many of set-piece. Um, so I wonder how much of that was a directive, you know, from from Kieran and, Maybe Marius, where we're just like, let's let's try and win without showing as much as we can. And you know, when when you don't show much, you, like you said, um, you're going to have to ship the ball and stuff. This is something obviously we, we spoke very briefly about beforehand. Where like, if you don't have a structure, you're trying to hide a structure. You're just going to have to ship the ball to the wings and you know, hope hope the wings do what the wings do. So, um, it, it how much do you think it was was a balance of you know? we probably have been practicing a particular structure, a particular style of play in preparation for the World Cup. And then we had to revert to a point where we're trying to show nothing. And, and that's where we made, uh, made the sort of skills-based mistakes. Do you think there's a balance of that? Am I giving, giving too much credit, do you think? Uh, as a coach, obviously, I'd have to be in Kieran's brain to know this. But as a coach, I look at the development from the Six Nation, from the first game of the Six Nation, where all of a sudden Italy went, we'll play everything. Like I remember trying to exit their 22 by hand, and I was like, oh, boys, calm down, just keep talking. <laughs> but when you, when you look at the way they went from there to what they're doing now, so they play, play, play off an edge. They're very, very deadly of, you know, two decision makers. They play behind. They got hard runners, you know. If you look at a full strength team, you put Negrin one team, returning another, sorry, one pod, returning another pod. You already got two battering rams in two rails of the field, so just outside of the post. You then got fast boys around them like Pozzo, like Alan, like Get Busy, like Monty coming off his wing, and all of a sudden you start looking deadly. When you look at that development from the Sixth Nation, they were just almost going through the motion. It was, it was almost like they were told, right, we need to hit 20 times playing the second wave of attack and 20 times playing the first wave of attack. When you look at Romania, for example, or not so much the, the previous game, but I think even with... Your first one against Scotland too, maybe? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit more. But if you look at, I think, going into Japan, the boys will play the same system, but they'll have a lot more option to play with so in terms of you'll see them pick different people of different different part of the, of the field and that obviously that's what we spoke about earlier is that getting in shape to be able to get out of shape you know it's it's absolutely framework, it's framework for freedom if you got if as a ball carrier i know i've got 
an outside and inside, a pullback and potentially a skip. I know all my options are or a carry. I know all my options are on. And all I have to do is if I make a poor decision, running hard. So make sure that if I if I do give a tip, that tip knows and he's just running it hard, he's always expecting it. But if I do go around because I've seen space out wide, that's always on. So it, I I like to see I, I really enjoyed seeing the development of, of this young team that hasn't I know Otto uploads um you know the um the team sheets and how consistent we are with our position. Apart yep. from apart from the spine of the team, it, we have been quite choppy, we have been changing and the system has still worked decently well. So I've got I've got good hopes. Obviously I'm Italian, I got high hopes for these boys. Absolutely. And uh, but what you're saying, I think it's it's interesting because we're we're forgetting that in the second half we change a lot in this team. We play Fusco on the wing, something that actually we said in the live. We want to see Ioane out and see Fusco in. Uh, we want to see something different because this is the game where you can try to do that and see if they stick to the to the shape. Personally, what I said differently now, I just w watched with Mike. I didn't rewatch the game. I can say that um, the options are there. There are some options coming out. Sometimes you can see like the sp the, the foreman pod is split in two two. There was the good like the the um, denied try that came with a split two two pod in the middle. But then we did that. Uh, the, the extra pass that wasn't the best uh, option, the, the forward pass from Garbizi in that moment with the guy coming. So that is an option. But I saw, for example, as you said, option, giving option, treats to the defense. Uh, we play a lot more diamond shape, even with a, like a three-man pod shape. Uh, trying to play backward, uh, like uh, the pullback pass. We did something, and we have, of course we have the wave of attack. We see that Menoncello is not there. We don't have the those legs of Menoncello in the centers, but still, Brax uh, play really well. I think the options and also we play uh, different uh, parts of the game with two eights in the game with Cannone and Alafi together, which is interest another interesting situation. Even with uh, with and and Negri, so we are ready for. Uh, Game like France, if we need to put Giuliani, if we have to take somebody out and put more uh, more carrier and more defenders, more uh, specialists in the breakdown, maybe it's there. It's going to be interesting to see Japan how it's going because they play shape, 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 a lot of shape. 2019, Japan was Italy now, like playing on shape, playing on structure, and was amazing to see when they beat uh, Scotland and Ireland. There was the shape was there. Take it, put it on the wall, uh, and uh, show to to the world uh, that kind of shape. I, I I've just got this uncanny feeling, and and this is a feeling first and foremost because you know neither Kieran nor uh, Marius mentioned anything to us, but I feel like there's been clear transitions, like what Leo said. You know, from from the Six Nations to now, there's <clears throat> a clear improvement. But the start of um, Crowley's tenure, he Clearly, the emphasis was on defence, right? We saw that against the New Zealand game where the boys had an incredible 60 minutes, right? Where, you know, they just came out and they just tackled everything. They got tired, that's fine. The next game, you know, I think it was against Argentina, gassed from the New Zealand game, but they tackled and it was very much defensive focused, right? And then we transition into sort of 
the autumn gone and we were like okay now is Italy's time to develop the attack so we've gone from defense we know that we can do that relatively well obviously there's still stuff that we can work on from more defense and bits like that we go to full attack then we fast forward to the six nations and it's like okay how do we how do we layer the two together okay we do really well when we give up the ball in the counter attack our, our, our basically our um sprawl defense isn't as great as it, it could be we give up a lot of yards because obviously disorganized the same as we play against other teams we just take a second longer to to organize right so okay we need to focus a little bit more on defense now we're transitioning into a point where i see personally and this is like i said just a feeling that we're going to probably start utilizing players like pani like alan at the back and then actually we're going to start <coughs> offering a 50 22 threat uh, because people are going to expect us to try and run it from everywhere, right? Which means actually we might be running against the 14-man defensive line and have a sweeper out back, which means the wingers are probably going to be right for the taking because they're not going to expect kicks from us. So I think we're slowly transitioning to a point, and I'm hoping I'm right, that against France or New Zealand, we're probably going to be kicking a lot more, like a lot more than what we're seeing now. So it's almost like, right, okay, let's get these fundamentals right. And then, and and, and like I said, it's it's just a feeling here and there, but you can see sort of when we were really sort of under the pump, there were a couple of decent kicks. And, and that's something that we weren't kicking to nothing like we were against, you know, Ireland. It was something almost concise and it feels like that's something that we're working on. But if we're working on it, <clears throat> why aren't we seeing it in the game? And that's sort of my, my my thought process. But yeah, just a feeling, not not anything, not anything unknown. But um, yeah, from my own observations, I'm always looking for the. For example, you you said Mike about kicking, uh, how much time we kick in the, and actually now I don't have the for this. This game was weird because we had a lot more space, so there wasn't any reason to kick back. So probably with Japan already, we can see some kind of improvement or maybe trying something different. Because, for example, this game against Romania, we didn't play any uh, strike move with, uh, uh, let me think, with the nine as a first receiver, the nine, not the ten, because we did it with Zuliani, Lamar Ruzza in a scrum of position, but we didn't play any strike move in, that, in the middle of the field. And we didn't play a lot of two three phases attack from line out this game seems more uh, like a bit overplayed a bit more let, let's move the ball let's attack one versus one we overplay in our 22 probably as you said probably the kicking game and let's see how we're going to react because we are not the best team uh, kicking wise uh, protecting wise the some situation because we didn't play in that way for uh, for one year and a half we can say so how we track the kicks that is going to be really important to see how we're going to use uh, Odogu and Ioane to go and put pressure with maybe Lamaro with maybe Negri going and take a lard in that in that era but that is going to be interesting because nobody knows in theory how we play we we kick seven percent uh, in the last games no more than that I think, I think that's sort of crazy. the point. I think we're a bit of an enigma to teams, to be honest. I, I, don't, I don't think teams necessarily know what to expect from us. And that's not because of, like, you know, coaching of old where we were going to be incredibly inconsistent. But I think it is because 
we're quite happy to try things out. Um, and we've been in a point where like people, you know, wrongly or rightly don't expect much from us. So we, we have the freedom to, to try things out and freedom to play against, you know, um, these, these fantastic defenses, you know, you look at, you know, the teams that we've been playing the past couple of years and actually we're at a point where there's no pressure um, on us to try these things out. And I think that's what makes us quite dangerous, right? Not because it's devil may care. We can throw like throw it around and, you know, see what happens, but because we could play, you know, in any way. And, and I don't think, I think that we're quite hard team to prepare for. And I think that's sort of where we caught Samoa and Australia out in, in the autumn. They didn't expect us to play like that. They, they, they never expected that. Um, yeah, Leo, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I think it'll be very interesting. Part of me goes, and obviously, bear in mind, I never coached at that standard. All right, just international rugby, test match rugby is, is a different beast than, than what we do. Um, I think part of me, the, the conservative, conservative coach in me goes, playing devil's advocate and goes, right, these boys, all they've been used to is play, 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 play. Everything is on, everything is on. Are they going to be able to change their mindset and go right it's test match rugby we are five points down we need to get a penalty to go and try and win with a lineup more <laughs> part of me goes especially because i i coach a younger age group goes they're not going to be mentally ready for that they're not when they're under the pump they're tired uh you know they if all they use is tempo 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 they're gonna go oh fuck you let's tap and go they're going to knock on, game over, we lost. <laughs> but part of me wants to go that at that level, and especially with this young group of very, very smart rugby players, you know, a, a Lamaro or a Rutsa or, you know, even a Negri will go, oh, boys, calm down here a sec. We've got two minutes left with five points down. Let's get a penalty out of this. Let's go into a line now and let's get it done. And look, it could go either way. <laughs> you know, I like, I, as a coach and is good discussions we have with other coaches. They always say to me, oh, you always coach the perfect scenario in defense. And I said, yeah, well, defensively, you start in a perfect scenario. Your system failure happens as you're defending. It's then how you react to it. So part of me wants to go, they're going to be perfect. They're going to be amazing. They're going to get it done because they're smart. Part of me wants to go, oh, we're not practicing that just enough. But it's really, really hard because when they're on the field, you just want to let them let them do and you want to let them mess it up for themselves. Power to the players. Yeah, yeah, which is so hard for me as an Italian, not just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's a good point because we, in general, so speaking about the Italian, uh, Italian audience, there's a lot of negativity every time, even if we win 57-7 with Fusco on the wing, with Gerbisi 12 for the second time, with the Azzurri jersey after Batumi, after the Georgia games, uh, with uh, with Lorenzo Gannone in the in the backfield uh, saving a try because uh, there was a man less. So a little more positivity around Italy. It's it's key to to survive, man, because we are the the worst team in the tire one. We are one point five. Sometimes we say now we are between one and two, but sometimes we have to 
trust what they're doing, give them the the, the chance. Uh, I'm happy, for example, for Garbisi, the Garbisi game. So uh, Lamb had a great game uh, with the line out. He was the um, the operator at line out without without the mom, we can say, you know, without the Ruzza being in charge of everything. We 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 see. Nehmer as well. Again, Nehmer, Nehmer, the first uh, turnover of the game. Eight months, and it took him two and a half minutes. (laughs) There, I think, yes, we we should trust the process they're they're trying to achieve now. Follow the process. We don't have anything to lose, uh, and uh, we don't want just to, like, oh, we should have won with with, uh, Scotland two weeks ago, showing our best team there. Why? Because we want the supporters happy or we want the group of men to grow as a team and be better players, better men? I think that's really hard for the Italian supporters to do. Like Everyone is a supporter and everyone wants to win, win, win. And, and I get that and, and it's incredible. But when you look at the hard reality of it, and even on the Six Nations, I can't remember who who we lost against by, you know, a try or whatever. And the, the words that Lamaro said in the huddle at the end of it was, the process was good. We had some tiny, tiny mistakes, but the process was good. If the process is right, the outcome is going to take care of itself. And and I completely agree with you. It's, it's the growth of these boys, and we need to trust the process. I'd rather win. I'd rather have these boys be the first Italian team that leaves the pool than to win against Japan, Romania, and Scotland, and then bomb out. In, in the World Cup because everyone knows how to defend us. Do you know what I mean? Like it, there's there's also a part of it in, in what we in what we do and what we've been doing. Um but I, I really think that we need to trust the process. You know, some of these boys had their debuts in, in the Azuri shirt when they were what 1920? I was still playing video games with my cousin when I was 1920. Do you know what I mean? Like these kids are unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they are still young adults. That's what Everyone keeps forgetting they are. I think the old, who's the oldest one? Is it Tommy Allen, who's thirty? Uh, actually, uh, Allen uh, for caps has a seventy-four caps. Uh, Zani, which has twenty-two caps, like Riccioni, is thirty-four years old. Is the oldest. And like- we have five or six players of these thirty-six on thirty-six players with more than forty-three caps. Like sometimes I, I never comment, I never expose myself, but sometimes I just like to ask people to just complain about it. It's like, what were you doing when you were 30 years old? Where you did you have 50 caps for Italy? Just, <laughs> just support, no. just support and, and appreciate what they do. Those are but, words like you can build it in the in the rock, in the stones. A lot, a lot of sofa, sofa coaches, but you, you made a really, really important point. And I think this echoes across every every fan, right? If we look at the Women's World Cup uh, last year, right? The women went on that world record winning streak. I think they actually uh, managed to beat the men's. But if you were to ask them, would you rather not have hit that and won the World Cup? I'm I'm fairly confident that they probably would have said, yeah, we would have we would have given that up for. It. And, and that's what the point Leo means, right? Leo's saying. Right, you can lose these matches if there is a greater outcome, and I, I, I 100% agree. Like for us, if we're looking at the next cycle as a bit of a rebirth for Italian rugby, which I think a lot of us are, if we manage to make it out of the pool, playing this lovely brand of rugby that Crowley 
um, has introduced to us as a team, then actually it's going to feel like this is a different Italy and people maybe, you know, at a world stage are going to take, you know, us more um, more seriously, but also provide us with the respect. Because obviously, let's not forget the whole point of Crowley's uh, tenure is to bring back respect and credibility. The boys say it consistently. They say it every single opportunity that they do, this respect and credibility. Where is it better to do that at, you know, a world stage? There's, there's not. There's no other place that we could do that. It's not against Romania where you win anyway 57-7. That's through my... Look, if, it was, if it was the Romania of like 2015 where they were actually good, they had some very, very good players. They, they still have very, very good players. So I like their 10-15 um, play style from, from yesterday. I really like them. But yeah, right now, you know, they haven't had a good, um, they haven't had a good year and... and the red didn't help. We're just beating a dead horse by that, by that point, and it was only ten minutes in. Um, but yeah, I think I think we need to give these boys time as as a coach and not as a fan. Building a system, integrating a system takes a lot of time, and peaking at the right time is is massive. You know, look, look we could go and beat Japan a hundred points nil. The boys go into the World Cup and think they are world beaters, and they get hammered by everyone. I'd rather them hone out those little kings and and Kieran telling them, look, I want you to hit these targets. These are KPIs for for the game. Let's hit them so we know what we're going into the next game, and that'll be our World Cup opener. And I think that's that's going to be massive. And as a coach, that's what I would do. And I'm sure Kieran would be doing the same and be telling him, look, if we win, amazing. Like let's let's freaking go for the win. But let's really make sure we got these details there for the World Cup. No, we don't have a lot of time also because uh, we like to have this part to be consistent yeah. with a lot of um, thoughts. We already have a lot to think, but think about next game. Do you think Kieran Crowley is going to throw us the best team? Is going to give pace to other players that maybe we didn't see CZ this week, we didn't see Mori. I know the 22 is going to come out, the 22nd of August, sorry, is going to come out the the list of the, the Rugby World Cup squad. But do you think we're going with our best team against Japan or not? I think we'll see we'll see our best team in the second half, to be completely honest with you. I think we're going to okay. start giving, giving some people exposures because starting a game for Italy when you're young, especially knowing that you're going into a World Cup, could be quite nerve-wracking. I know a lot of um, sports psychologists will say, oh, pressure doesn't exist. But when, wow. you put that sh- but when you put that shit on and you are 22, 23 years old and, and you're going to play Japan, who's done incredibly well in the last World Cup, um, which a, a team not to, uh, to underestimate, the pressure still gets to you. So I think we'll see a couple of people that maybe haven't been as involved in the first half, but then we'll, I'd, I'd like to think he'd probably have a, a loaded bench so that in that second half you can have fresh bodies seeing if they can make an impact to work around tight bodies and if they're still smart enough to make those decisions at, at pace. And to push the level up in general, like showing this is the level we want. Uh, if they from the bench are playing like a bomb squad, we want to keep the, the level high and play probably 80 minutes because we want to see that as a coach, as an analyst, as a supporter, I want to see uh, consistency for 80 minutes yeah. without pushing on the break. Yeah. Mike, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I think we're probably going to start seeing us building into the World Cup of this next game. And I think what Leo says makes a lot of sense, to be honest. Um, I think if we are able to, you know, produce our, our best team in the second half or, you know, if, you know, we might do it the other way around. And if we're winning comfortably, we might, we might want to, to start offering some um, some fresh legs as well for some players that haven't. But I, I think sort of what Leo said, spot on for me um we're, we're gonna see a lot of um a lot of like you know increase incremental increases in the game and hopefully like qualifying in, in a win for us and us showing you know not too much again I, you know that's one thing i'm i'm quite um quite you know concerned about hopefully we don't show too much but then obviously if we're in a position where we need to start playing in a certain way then you know so be it. The win is important, though, uh, for confidence. One hundred percent need a win next game. Boys, I hope to see you again soon if we have time. So we're gonna maybe think about how was the Japan game, or maybe how how we perform uh, during the the World Cup. But for now, I would like to say thank you, grazie Leo, for your time again with us. Always a pleasure. And I would like to remember, of course, to follow Leo on Twitter where he has a lot of nice little clip about the defense because he's a defense-minded uh, uh, coach. I'm more in attack, so it's always nice to see to understand something more because I'm always looking at the attack. But And then, of course, uh, we would like to remember everybody that you can go on www.ilmuseoderugby.it you can find also on Facebook Il Museo del Rugby, and there it's been founded in 2008, collection uh, with 15,000 memorabilia gadgets from rugby, Barbarians, the first Italy uh, jersey ever, and 18,000 shirts, also from Ecuador, I can say, because I brought once uh, a jersey from Ecuador, so I would like to say that too. Well, so... That's everything. You can follow Fratelli di Rugby on Twitter, on Spotify, everywhere on YouTube. And you can follow also me on YouTube with the analysis. I'm going to be doing some quick analysis before the World Cup. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Leo. Grazie, ragazzi. Thank e you ciao guys. a tutti. Ciao a tutti. Ciao. Ci vediamo alla ciao. prossima puntata.